welcome to the Stringer Podcast number 46. Dale, I went for a drive last weekend and the leaves are all changing. It's almost fall and I ain't ready for this shit. Damn it. It's hockey season time. It's hockey season. We got Jeff Fayette on the podcast. That's a great segue. You're good at this. I'm glad I have you around. This week, we have Jeff Fayette for you. He's a founder and writer, analyst at the Face Off Circle. He's also uh, the director of analytics and scouting for the OJHL St. Mike's Buzzer. We know him as at Jeff Fayette on Twitter, and we know him as at Jeff Fayette, the exact same name, on Instagram. He's the youngest Longest serving blogger, writer, commentator, analyst in the game with the softest ball hockey mitts I've ever seen. He's a longtime friend. He's coming up in a second. I'm liking writing these little intros still. You digging them? Uh, you're doing well. You're reading. I'm I'm reading. Before we get to him, Sportsfeld is back. Podcasts are recorded Wednesdays, released on Thursdays with the Added bonus, if you want to look at their faces, if you want to stand over them like an overproductive producer, not naming any names, Sean K., we're going to share out the link to their YouTube channel. No, it's not. Dylan's laughing over there. It's not, Sean. I'm the overproductive producer. Each pod is being videoed and posted for your viewing pleasure, so go check her out. Now onto the weekend. I'm going to buzz through this quickly. I'm going to be working all weekend, so I can't do any of this, but I'll live vicariously through you. Deal? Tweet me about it. I look forward to seeing your photos. Friday, September the 13th, Drunken Cinema returns. One of my favorite things to do in the city. Presents Friday the 13th, part 8. Swing by for the 30th anniversary screening. That will include popcorn, wine, beer, themed cocktails. I don't know what a themed Friday the 13th cocktail is. I kind of want to try it, though. And a live show from Blood Opera. Everything kicks off at 9.30 p.m. at Review Cinema. 400 Roncis Vales. The Boulevard? Avenue? Road? I don't know. I didn't write it down. Tickets are between $12 and $15. ReviewCinema.ca for more details. It's R-E-V-U-E Cinema.ca, and you can find out what the fuck's going on. Saturday, September 14th, Planet Gazing Party. Nothing screams Clayton is a loser in high school like hosting his own planet gazing party, but man, this shit's got me hyped up. University of Toronto wants you to explore the swirling gas giant of Jupiter, the rings of Saturn, and the mountains and craters of our very own moon. 7.30 p.m. is when they suggest you get there. They also said anytime before 9, so like 8.30 is probably good. University of Toronto back campus fields is 27 King's College Circle, and it's free. Everyone likes free, especially when you look through a giant telescope. Facebook.com slash Dunlap Institute uh, will get you more information if you're looking for it. Or you can just tweet us because no one's going to remember Dunlap Institute. Sunday, September 15th, Our Lady Peace is at Budweiser Stage. Sing all of my favorite songs. Obviously, I can't go. Like Naveed, Starseed, 4AM, Automatic Flowers at one of Toronto's greatest, bestest outdoor venueists. That makes sense, right? 5 p.m., Budweiser Stage, 909 Lakeshore Boulevard West. SeatGiant.ca is where you can find tickets. Use promo code STRINGER. As I said before in the last podcast, they're not telling us to say this stuff. We're actually not in contact with them, but they haven't shut off our promo code. So go save yourself some money. That's it for the weekend. Remember, our ideas aren't for anyone, but you can do one, two, one of two things about it. You can either stick your thumb in your ear, I don't really care, or you can reach out to us with what you've got going on, and we'll be happy to promote it. At Stringer Podcast on Twitter. Uh, or events at the stringer.ca or if you want to plan your own thing completely separate from me go to seatgiant.ca plan your own weekend they have tickets for concerts sporting events theaters live shows comedy even tiff events yes all those fancy schmancy gala things you've been seeing around the city they got tickets for that use promo code stringer because you never know when they're going to turn it off dill i still have oop on the mind have you ever seen them live 
No, and Clumsy was one of my favorite albums growing up, so that's really disappointing. I feel like it really defined what the late 90s were for so many of us. It was being played all over Much Music, on Edge 102. It was everywhere. Um, Hot take, I think I prefer Jeremy Taggart to Neil Peart. Am I going to get shit for that? I, I think there might be more people on your side than you believe. It's, I'm just, I kind of miss the Rush era. It just wasn't my thing. I feel like it may have been my dad's thing, but he may have been just a little bit old for the era, and I may have been just a little bit young for the era. And Jeremy Taggart, dude's friggin' hot. So much so, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go from here. We're going to play a little bit of automatic flowers. Who doesn't like a little bit of automatic? What would an automatic flower look like? Does it bloom by itself or does it shoot? In my brain, it always looked like it was a gun, which is terrible and tells you about the conditioning we've been through. Automatic flowers, nevertheless, it's coming up next. Then we go to sax. Then we go to Jeff Fayette. I got to get out of here. I haven't had much sleep and I'm sounding like a bumbling fool. Guys, enjoy your week. I love you. Dylan, hit the thing. Another brick, another window frames, confusion. God and blues, but Sarah can't see straight, she's drinking herself blinding. No one knows why she stands outside. No one can help I'm here to speak for. I will only answer questions about ClockTab. Only, yeah, I'm only here to talk about ClockTab. Um, first of all, I'd like to point out, um, rocking the beard. We're like beard brothers right now. Yeah, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be keeping it this way. Really? Um, Work-wise? Yeah, because my team is pretty kind of old school when it comes to that stuff. Like, they're not fully against it, but I know they'd probably prefer me to, to have it off. Have it, yeah? Yeah. But do you... Is it usually an off-season thing? I haven't. I don't know. Like we've run into each other like twice or three times at TFC matches. Yeah, I, I just get lazy at spurts, and it, before I couldn't keep the beard because I used to get really fidgety and just start pulling at it. Yeah, uh, and I would just make holes in it. Yeah. But uh, but now I now I seem to have gotten that. It's itchy. It, so. Like it, don't get me wrong. I find myself like right now because I just got it like trimmed and cleaned up like a week ago. Yeah. Um, and I found myself laying in bed the other night, and it's just a little bit of growth coming in was like poking into my arm or however I hold my arms. And so it's itchy. Like it's yeah. not it's not always the most pleasant, but I think it totally defines like the amount of time people want to spend in today's society on facial hair. Right. Like I really don't think it's a fashion thing as much as it is, as you said. A like convenience a, thing. a convenience thing. You're like, yeah. oh no, my work has to accept me now that I have beards yeah. and I just this is the way I wear it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Jeff Viette on the podcast. Holy smokes, I can't believe it's taken us two years to get this done. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, it, but... Just the way life works, isn't yeah, it? exactly. No, it's neat uh, for us. And so, Jeff, I, I actually probably don't even have to introduce you because to all the people that this goes out to, they're probably more um, in tune with what you do than even what 
I do, but Jeff has been a longtime writer in the the hockey world. Yeah, uh, and then you've branched in the last year. Like I don't want. It's unfair to say you've branched in the last year into stats and analytics because you've always kind of lived in that realm. But you've really made a career of it, I think, in the last year. Yeah, more in the team environment. I'm working in Junior A with the St. Mike's Buzzers uh, to kind of be the first in that sphere uh, to to bring this this kind of stuff to that level. Uh, obviously, it's an emerging field now that NHL teams have kind of accepted, and you're mm-hmm. seeing it come more and more uh, to other parts of hockey. So, uh, being able to transfer what I've done in in a journalism sense to that has been uh, has been interesting for sure. But I think it it, it kind of works that way in most uh, circles when it comes to introducing whether it's new technology or new ways of doing things. You always watch the big, big, big dogs to do it first, and then they kind of spend all the money really perfecting and R&Ding it, and then it starts to roll off into the second tier, the third tier, and the fourth, and so on and so forth on the way down, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And obviously, it's a hockey. It's time. We, uh, we saw a lot of public work being done on it for close to, I want to say, close to a decade before teams started hiring uh, out some of the brightest minds there. And even then, not every single NHL team has done it. Uh, but but it's given it some credibility. Now you see it being used more by mainstream media. Now you see it uh, being used more by other teams. So this is just kind of the next frontier for it. So I don't want to start at the... Well, we kind of started at the end, but let's get back to the end at the end. Uh, we've known each other more, I'm ge- more than a decade. Yes. I would guess. Yeah. We're in 2019 now, at least in 2009. What I have not yet really been able to figure out, and we don't have to say your age, but I'm trying to guess what our age difference is. So I'm an 84 baby. What's the difference between our ages? Seven years. I'm a late 91. You're a 91. Yeah. So, uh, and the reason why this is of interest to me is because I would have been in my... Mm, 10 years ago, I'm in my uh, mid-20s, like early, my young mid-20s, and we first crossed paths, I'm guessing, was it Marley's related or was it even before Marley's related? I'm trying to, like, I think of Hockey Quarterly in HQ, and you helped us get that off the ground. Yeah. And that was, like, one of my first forays into uh, not just the internet world, but to, to, to trying to rally a group of people around an idea. Was that was that pre Marley's or was that all in the same? I think it was the same era. I think it was all generally the same time. I would have probably been sixteen, seventeen, um, and already a few years kind of into uh, mm-hmm. doing what doing what I do because it was very much uh, me in middle school being like, hey. Uh, let's make a hobby out of this. And the original plan was to get rich quick off the internet, and that obviously uh, <laughs> that obviously didn't quite work out. But uh, but because of the the skills that I learned there, I'm like, hey, well, let's make a hockey project yeah. um, that created the the first iteration of the face off circle, yeah. and just kind of kind of went from there. Now we're now we're at a stage where I'm 27, still very young for this industry, but this has been over half of my life. Uh, that's crazy yeah it's it's weird because now nowadays i'm kind of there's a lot of people who still see me as the young kid Mm -hmm. on the block but then i'm also the grizzled vet that people take advice from the beard helps yeah the beard definitely definitely helps helps. that's definitely the grizzled part yeah um (laughs) but no it's a it's kind of fascinating living multiple angles of that now so and not just multiple angles but like riding through the changes of the industry because it was 10 years ago 10 and a half years ago that I think 
Uh, well, that's when I, March 2009, I think is when I got Twitter. You know, early adopters were probably within six months earlier than that. Yeah. But that's really when it became, you know, crossing borders and hitting the mainstream. And that revolutionized the way we, we, we take in media. The idea that, you know, you can get your main source reliably from the internet as well. Like, you know, when all the writers actually turn to writing regularly on a blog, you know, for their whoever owned them, whoever was paying them, but that changed. What was, but I'm curious, what was that uh, get rich quick idea? Like, what, how did you think you were going to do it? You're in middle school and you had, you had hatched a plan. I'm gar- I guarantee, I don't know what it is, but I guarantee you've hatched a plan. I, I don't think there was anything really specific. It was like, just get some web hosting and start throwing some ideas at the wall. Maybe make some message boards because message boards were still a big thing pre-Twitter. Yeah. Um, and just kind of spread my my wings into as many things as possible. Like uh, Dig was a big thing back then. It was uh, what Reddit is now. Okay. Uh, nowadays, it's just uh, a curated news aggregator. But it was huge. Uh, it was a massive, massive site. And I've decided, okay, well, I'm going to get in close with the power users on the community. Yeah. Uh, use that to promote my blog. Use that to promote my YouTube videos. Uh, and what became like a top 100 influencer uh, on the site. And I was just kind of doing it to, to gain clout. I know people were making serious money from companies to do like, uh, fake, uh, marketing, so to speak, where it's like, Oh, I just happened to stumble on this, but they paid me to submit it. Uh, YouTube, I was super early on too. I had a, I had a hockey highlights YouTube channel before the NHL did. The NHL reached out to me. Were you, were you cutting? Was that what you were doing? How, how did that work? I had a, I had a $20 TV tuner that I bought at a, at a computer shop. It only did, (laughs) I did, I only did standard definition because I couldn't afford an HD cable package and I just recorded sports center or leaf games or whatever game was on TV uh, and just started throwing clips on there. And it had, it was the most subscribed, most viewed channel in Canada for a while. And the NHL came to me and they're like, so how are you doing this? And then when they found it was literally a 15 year old in his bedroom, uh, they were, they were very confused. Uh, That's a lot of work. Yeah, no, it it, it was, I didn't have much of a social life at that point. So, um, and I, probably, I still don't. Yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. I'm not. Some some days I'm the same way, and I probably yeah. put more focus into that than school, which some would say was the right decision. Now I would probably tell people to focus at school uh, on, on school, uh, but that was my life at that point. It was absorbing myself into uh, the internet, absorbing myself into hockey, and just kind of connecting as many dots as there there possibly were. Twitter, same thing. I was on there. Uh, pretty early through the people that I had connected through on uh, on Dig, and then I saw the hockey community uh, mm-hmm. was starting to blossom there. And you're right, it was probably early '09 when mm-hmm. more of those voices came on, and just trying to chase whatever uh, the next trend was, and that's that was the best way to kind of get myself in front of an audience is be on the ground floor as often as possible. I just the other day we had a conversation here, and and people marveled at the fact that. I have email addresses and I have accounts set up that that don't require underscores or special characters, right? Like my my Twitter handle is just Chancellor. It has been since the dawn of time. Yeah. But that's kind of the benefit. That's this weird auxiliary benefit of getting in on the ground floor is you're like, hey, I get all the good username guys. Like you got to keep up. I had to uh, I had to pressure a kid into getting my my username when I changed to using my full name because uh, I had actually reserved it and then decided I didn't need it anymore, so I let it go. And then the kid took it, uh, which all all fairness to him. Your uh, full name? Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was a silly move on my part to let it go. Uh, but then he wasn't very active. So eventually, like I'm sitting in Vancouver right before uh, I, I took over the ropes at Canucks Army for a bit. And I'm like, hey, can I have this account? And he's like, sure. I don't know how to change it. So I'm sitting in like a Best Buy uh, 4,500 kilometers away from home being like, OK, here's what you do. Here's a screenshot. OK, I got it. OK, sweet. I'm taking it now. Hmm. Um, but but yeah, like having having the email addresses that I that that you would want uh, to have today is hard. Getting usernames is hard because hundreds of millions of people and bot accounts and all this and all that um, kind of get in the, the way of it. Like mm-hmm. to get to get a nice looking email. And now I bought a domain name. Right. Uh, Me so, too. Yeah. 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 That's all I can. That's do. really the only thing you can do now if you're using any sort of free account. Good luck getting. Uh, get good luck getting anything that represents uh, you in a way that you wanted to. So we just recently had uh, Chris Clark, who is formerly of Leafs TV, yep. uh, on the podcast. And I'm trying – maybe that was the first time we met. Did we meet through one of the Leaf Space meetups? Probably. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah? I, I, I would assume it was something That's how like our that. paths crossed yeah. at the first time. And I had, I guess, at some point a crackpot idea that I wanted to start a website, which I would – oddly enough, I still – no one's going to want to hear this, especially my clients, but I still am not on that million dollar train. Like yeah. I, I, I have never in my brain ever thought I was going to get rich quick. Yeah. I have always been like, well, maybe I can have the Avengers basically. Maybe I can have the super team, you know, that does everything really well in this one specified way. And that's where you kind of came in as I kind of tried to bring this group together, which first of all, I realize now being older. So hockey quarterly, the idea behind it is that we fully refresh the site top to bottom was it every quarter? We said quarterly, but I don't I think, think we it was did every it. two weeks. I think it was every two weeks, I, it, which made hockey quarterly like mean nothing. But I, my idea was like, oh, no, no, no. Writers will do it for the exposure, which makes me feel terrible on the inside now. It makes me want to die because people hate those kind yeah. of people now. now. Now, to be to in, in fairness, and I will and I do say this to people who kind of go that route. Um, it's not like you were running into it with a huge amount of capital yourself. You were no. very, you were very much doing it for your own exposure. We all were doing it for the exposure. I think if you go into a, a free writing job now to start, you want to do it with people who are also in the same position as yeah. you. I think there's a big difference between, hey, we got this upstart blog. We're all kind of doing it from scratch. Let's see where it goes. Let's get some, uh, let's get the ball rolling on for all of us. And say, going to an SB Nation or my former players at the Nation Network who mm-hmm. have capital now who can't afford to pay uh, you something, even mm-hmm. if it's not much, they can pay you something. Uh, you don't want to be writing for someone who's got money to pay you for the exposure. That, that that I think is ridiculous. But if it's if it's a pet project for everybody, like I, I would never be, uh, I would never really show too much regret on that. And I think if you look at the people you amass, like most of them are are doing something. Uh, in sports or social media now. So we were all kind of on the same page. I ran into somebody and I'm not going to use her name just because I haven't checked with them to ask them if I can use her name, but I, 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 I didn't recognize them. And they're like, no, no, no. Remember you brought me on to write. I think it was because we divided writers up by division yeah. in the NHL. That's what we did. And he's like, you brought me in to write like 
whatever. I'm going to say the Northeast, but I know for sure it wasn't the Northeast because I knew the writer for the Northeast. They're like, you brought me in to write this division when you're on Hockey Quarterly. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. And then just the, because then the name triggers. And he's like, yeah, since then, like, I guess because we were all young at the time, he was in school, I guess, in post-secondary. And he's gone on and now he's in sports management. Nice. And I'm like, oh, is that how it all works? Yeah. Wow. Kind of a, a, again, it's kind of our own little group. And you were so good that at the time, so you're saying you're 16 or 17. Yeah. You were the only person I knew how to, who to turn to, to develop this thing. Because I had no, like I, I build websites back in like HTML really yeah. bad days. And then you were the one who were able to throw it all together. And yeah. this was because you had built on. Yeah, well, years of experience. Yeah, because this is when at Wor- seventeen. Well, this is because when WordPress was not a huge thing back then. Yeah, WordPress is now by far the biggest blogging platform. All the major media companies use it, but uh, I think then it wasn't even in version two. But I had been playing around with it almost immediately. It was seemed like the best of the uh, easy install uh, blogging software. Mm-hmm. So I think that's we did build it on that. Uh, and yeah, at that point, it was not a skill that everyone had. Now, no. basically, anyone who wants to spend a week and learning it uh, can learn it, and that's what makes it so great. But I yeah. think at the time it was I, I was the only one in that kind of circle who had any familiarity with it. So worked out that way. You may have been the only one. Like you, you say in that circle. Don't narrow your options. You may have been one of like five people. I swear. Yeah, I, I don't think it was super popular back then. I think it was. I don't even think it was the number one of those blogging uh, softwares. I just kind of liked the way that it felt. You using the the control panel, and I think that's what probably made it so popular. Is Automatic did a great job of making it user friendly. You brought up Face Off Circle already, and it threw me off because I, I read a post that you celebrated your second anniversary, and I'm like, well, that's not right. Because it predated, I think, our time working together. It's the second anniversary of the third iteration of the site. Um, <laughs> Why don't you just keep just keep the original date? Yeah, just no. say you're like, you know. Because then it would be like 12 or 13 years old and not accomplish as much as a 12 or 13 year, 13 right. year old site would have. No, I think that was the that was the first hockey blog I had launched. Uh, it had a .net at the time instead of the .ca. Mm-hmm. And it was the same kind of idea, not necessarily the every two weeks thing, but grab a bunch of people from different parts of the internet uh, who wanted to, to learn a couple of things mm-hmm. and kind of grow themselves. And uh, I had a friend in Montreal who had his own, uh, who had his own blog, mostly fa- based around the Habs. And we, I convinced him to merge with me. And the reasoning for that was, and this just shows you how uh, small circle it was even back then is the only way to get yourself on HF boards, which was by far the biggest mm-hmm. uh, hockey message board at the time, uh, was if I haven't you were, heard that name in so long. I, I, I trippy. I got a story there, but I'll, I'll <laughs> save that for another time. Um, but the only way to get your blog uh, eligible for being linked on there, and that was a huge part of getting traffic then, was if you were on James Myrtle's blog world. James Myrtle, right. obviously, now is the editor in chief of uh, the Athletic. Uh, in Toronto and in, in the hockey kind of section of it. Mm-hmm. But then he was just a guy of a blog spot too, yeah. doing it while he was in journalism What school. was the name? Do you remember the name? It was just myrtle.blogspot.com. Very simple. And anyone he had on his blog role, because yeah. blog roles were things where you uh, could put links on yeah. the site to other people that you uh, that you enjoyed. It's crazy that a blog role is an old thing now. It's like the floppy disk right. of blogs. No, <laughs> um, 
so if you were on his blog roll, you you got you got access to being linked to on other sites. Yeah. Uh, and my 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 friend in Montreal was so I'm like, okay, let's merge our two sites. We'll get onto that blog roll. We'll add a bunch of people. Uh, eventually, added a message board to that to try to compete with HF boards. Uh, probably should have sold it when someone gave me a gave me an okay offer for it. But yeah. again, huge huge dreams. Thinking, right. oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna squash these guys from my bedroom and and once once you get that first offer you always think a second one's coming yeah exactly right like it, it's that, that that first offer is really dangerous yeah because you're like oh i got one now just wait till the next one right. it's going to be better right um and it was dumb because it was just for the message board i really should have let it go because they yeah. offered me like five or ten thousand dollars for it and as a kid that's like a million dollars yeah of uh, course but then you're thinking you might actually get a million dollars not yeah. realizing you you're you're not seeing what these social media platforms could be because i didn't really take into account that twitter was going to almost completely replace uh no one did message boards or yeah. facebook Facebook groups are um, doing the same thing yeah. and was like, oh, this is going to be a huge thing and this is going to continue to grow. Uh, so I left it. But yeah, so that was the first time I started the site. Second time I did it was probably in 2014. And that was same kind of idea. You get a bunch of friends together, but it was just for all of us who were committed to writing about specific teams for different people mm-hmm. and wanted just places to put our extra content. Like at the Nation Network, I couldn't write about, say, the San Jose Sharks yeah. because we had all the Canadian teams as our focus. Yeah. Um, and we had a good staff of writers there too, and pretty much everyone who was there at the time is doing something in hockey or working for a major media company right now. Um, and now this time around, it's it was just after I left the network, I wanted somewhere to put my own work uh, while I focused on doing other things, and it just gave me uh, the flexibility to to write at my own pace, put all my projects there, and present everything the way I wanted it to. You talk about you brought up Myrtle and the block roll and that being the entry point into HF boards. Can we credit Myrtle? Is it does this make sense? And correct me if I'm way off, in legitimizing book bloggers? Because in my mind, at least in this area and in this sport, he was that first one that really crossed over. Yes. Yes. Right? No, I I I think absolutely that's absolutely the case, and I have to give him credit for what he's done with the athletic as well, uh, legitimizing. No, we moment. don't have. To, he's getting paid for that. We don't have to give him credit for that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, it was it, it, it was kind of cool at the at the time to see someone who yes, he had his degree, uh, and that was the route that he was going to take. But to see someone who had built his public prominence uh, right. through a blog spot go on to I think it was the Globe and Mail at the time. Yep. Yeah, it was a it, it was definitely a big deal and the fact that he kept the old site up and made it possible for people to see what got him there another person who i think did a did a great deal of good for legitimizing hockey blogging is uh tyler dello from yes uh, currently at the new jersey devils he had that huge uh expose on colin campbell uh where he where he went and found all the emails that showed that he had a bit of a bias towards guys like mark savard and all that and he used his legal expertise because he was an ex-lawyer but because everyone in hockey had to cover that story and you had to get it off of Tyler's blog that was that was a huge massive kind of moment uh for for the blogosphere at the time so he's another guy who I think is in that proverbial Mount Rushmore Dello yeah bro oh, we're gonna do the re- oh Mount Rushmore I, I don't know if I can do a full Mount Rushmore I don't think I can. But, we only need four and so far we have two yeah but so it's see, not like we need exact, that many more yeah but at the same time you have to go through so many people and pick who the for, next two are no we don't yeah we can just pick whoever we want sure like you can definitely be number three if we want nice we're just the third face I think also a shift we saw on the media side of things was because again like i was making youtube videos and and trying to get seen 
And then I got a job for working for Leafs TV, which I thought was the dream at the time. But I think the search for personalities by networks became really big. And I think of, and this is a few years later, but I remember when Fox Sports 1 was hiring, when they were about to launch, and it was, they wanted to get as far away from like the anchory news desk type of delivery in sports and bring as much personality. And that's when we saw Jay and Dan go down and Julie Stewart Banks, another uh, Torontonian, go down. But I think that started, I I don't think they were the first to do it. I think they were kind of riding a wave of trying to infuse the industry with something, this sounds mean, but worth reading. Because the digital uh, revolution, no, wave, social media wave had kind of taken over, that people didn't have to wait to the news report at 6 p.m. or the newspapers the next morning to find out just the facts of what happened. Now they wanted some color on it, and there was already this big teeming group of people providing color yeah no uh, that's so that's 100 the case i think there's so much value in having in having that kind of personality like, down goes brown yeah he's he's definitely up there and he's another guy who crossed over in many different ways i don't know how many platforms uh he's contributed to at mm-hmm. this point i think uh i think if you just go to a random sports media website and type in sean mackendo's name you'll find an article <laughs> uh it's it's just kind of which is kind of cool at the same time and also the way that that kind of went down because if you remember he was basically laid off from his real work job uh at uh, i think it was corral um and uh grantland saw that and bill simmons kind of approached him on that and for a while like grantland is another one that's yes of course i don't know why i missed that completely huge kind of game changer and how in how the blogosphere was looked at because well it wasn't really a blog like it was ESPN owned it had that kind of bloggers tone yeah um, and I think and, that was the aim with it yeah. and that was the direction that someone like Bill Simmons yeah. was going to take yeah. it and, and I think Bill Simmons is a great example of someone who brings that, that level of personality um, in, in in sports media yeah. uh, and makes you kind of feel like uh, like it's a fan's perspective uh, while also still taking the job seriously uh, one of my favorite uh interviews to hear and it's such a weird platform for it so i play a lot of uh, nba 2k okay and uh, they have like guest panels on, on on playstation or i have it i have it on all three consoles i have it on playstation xbox and switch i bought it uh, Get I, out. I bought it on uh i bought it for 50 bucks on uh boxing day for xbox yeah. and then during the nba finals they did a great promo where they sold it across all the consoles for four dollars holy yeah so all my friends are on playstation yeah uh they all bought it on playstation so i'm like okay i'll get it on there and i have a switch so i may as well have it yeah. for when i'm on the bus or whatever Yo, let's hoop for sure, I have I have it on Xbox One. Nice, yes. uh, my that's where my highest overall guy is. I'm like a 92 overall in my career. Uh, game is hard, but anyway, let's so, not hoop. So will <laughs> smoke me. I I I am I'm Steph Curry times three. Yeah. Um, so, but what they do, and I'm sure you've noticed this, is they do like interview sessions with mm-hmm. uh, with panelists, and the way that Simmons kind of talks about uh, how he blended pop culture and his personality, um, and where he kind of sees the game going. That's one of the most interesting ones mm-hmm. uh, they have on there. Uh, but yeah, like that's that, that's what you come to to read or consume now is you want uh, you want a perspective, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's so easy to get what the actual facts are. I can open up uh, an app that tells me the transactions or what the score was in like five seconds. Right. Uh, I want the analysis. I want the feelings yeah. uh, behind it, and that's when and that's what this digital wave has kind of afforded us is we can get that from almost anybody. So for you. 
you, we talked about Myrtle and we talked about a couple others. For you, when did that crossover happen? That legit, and, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking the first press pass. I'm thinking, I'm thinking when, because to me, that was always the sign that you're kind of starting the journey. And it seems mean to say the other side of the line because there isn't another side of the line now, but there was then. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I still kind of feel like I'm chasing uh, legitimacy in one way or another. It's I the think- beard. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's an ever evolving thing, and as I continue to climb up the ladder, um, there's there's a different stage to get to every time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I, I don't know if it's clear cut, but there are definitely moments like you like you said the first time I got uh, credentialed, and honestly, when I first got credentialed, I it wasn't supposed to be like oh you have access to the players or whatever. Uh, I, I as as you remember because you helped set it up. My first affiliation of the Marlies was mm-hmm. like here we'll give you a ticket every game. Stand in the stands oh, yep. with, uh, with, with with your little seven inch netbook, which I think I actually bought from you. Uh, yes, and I think actually oddly enough, you did buy from me, but you helped me buy it initially. Yes, and then a friend of mine spilled coke on it, and uh, oh. the keyboard kind of died on it. But I used it for a little bit, um, so I did that for a little while, and then I uh, then they had their first game at the ACC, yeah. and I needed a credential uh, to be able to bring a computer in there. And then after that, I'm like. Hey, I like sitting down. Yeah, completely. Yeah, so can I so can I have a credential and the answer was yes and then I for a few weeks I didn't use any of the other powers. I didn't go to the media room, I didn't go down for mm-hmm. scrums or whatever and Kyle Cicerella, uh, currently of the Canadian Press. Love Kyle. Kyle's the best. I still talk to him all the time. Uh he's just like, yeah, just calm down. Fine. Yeah. And why why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um Yeah, and, you are an accredited member of the press. Yes, but but that wasn't what the the arrangement was. So at first there was a bit of uh well, why are you down here? Yeah. Uh but because I pushed it, they're like, "Okay, well, you haven't done anything wrong yet." So, no, yeah. so, so stick around. Then eventually, I did ca- cause my little battle from time to time as someone who was uh, who was learning uh, the ropes yep, on, uh, on their own wood. Um, but yeah, that was that was one moment uh, doing my first NHL game. The 2014 Winter Classic was another. Um, I still have not been to Winter Classic. I had tickets to the last one at BMO Field, and I still wasn't able to go. That was a great game. I went. Uh, I, I went to as an influencer arrangement. Twist, twist. Of course. Oh my goodness. But it wasn't. But it of wasn't. Of course you did. But I was the plus one. It was with another one of your previous guests. Uh, Sasky had the. Oh, uh, Sasky's such a delight, isn't she? She's great. But uh, I think my biggest uh, moment to me in terms of the media side was uh, the World Cup of Hockey. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, like because because that's huge. That's an yeah. international tournament, an NHL rink, and you're around all these big names, and also the fact that these big names are coming up to you and saying, "Hey, uh, I enjoy your work. Keep it up." Um, another big one, kind of on that note, is when Bob McKenzie followed me on Twitter for the first time, and that was just like, "Okay, he's." Does he still follow you? Yeah, he does, and oh. he, he's one of the guys who shares who who shares my bigger projects when mm-hmm. I post them. Um, he's always been super super supportive, uh, and. And he's he's the goat when it comes to uh, hockey journalism mm-hmm. and one of the biggest in sports journalism in general. Uh, so to so to kind of get that that seal of approval from him, that was huge too. And I think just the most recent one is just kind of being more involved yeah. on uh, in helping with a with a team and making things tangibly happen. Uh, so there's always going to be those moments. I don't. What think was your big hockey moment? You're like, nah. 
I have like 17. That's how good life is right now. They just keep on rolling. But I think that's, uh, I, I don't even think it's that. I think it's just an educated answer to be like, okay, there's not a, there, there, right. there, there shouldn't be a plateau. Yeah. Uh, there, you're always kind of striving for something and everything should matter to you. Every, every step of the way should uh, be uh, something that you don't take for granted and it should be a big moment. You did some work with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment directly, didn't you? Yeah. Um, like 20, like 2017, 2018. 2017, 2018. Which I had no idea about, and I want to learn more. Oh, it, it, it wasn't that that fascinating. That's why I never really glamorous. mentioned it. I was just, um, it was just doing like game day graphics, po- uh, post game scores, kind of editing MapleLeafs.com a yeah, little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, it was nice. It was, and it was a nice little bit of supplementary income. Yeah. Um, but it was, but it wasn't game like night a, only. I'm guessing. Pardon? Game night only? Yeah. 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 Um, so, it, again, it wasn't a huge deal. I wasn't a full-time employee or anything. Yeah. It was contract work. Dude, but I was there for nine years, and I was never a full-time employee. Fair enough. Don't worry. But, no, it, it, it's kind of neat to have that on the uh, on the resume now. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever even, like, mentioned that publicly. This will probably be the first time most people find out about it. Ta-da. He worked for them, for Big Brother. Yes. For Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. No, they... Uh, First, I loved when they, they brought in that game night producer role or whatever they want to call it. Uh, I loved it when they did it and they started activating more people in part-time roles because from someone who saw it from a little bit on the other side, when people in those jobs were drowning in work and, and as you know, as everyone's still still trying to figure out what the what social media, what you know, Twitter and Instagram and you know, we did Twitch for a bit, and we did, uh, what was the one, Vine for a while? Yeah. You know, when you're still trying to navigate all that, and you're trying to make it profitable. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because you're a business, and yeah. you're hiring people. You're trying to make it profitable. Yeah. The the community manager would be, like, just burdened down with so much day-to-day, like, that you, like, contesting that has to go out, and, and partners and promos that had to go out. So that activating of the next level of people who could really bring that passion to it. I remember when they did, I was like, oh, that's really smart. And then, you know, it being MLSC and them having several teams to roll the idea across yeah. and see how it worked and how it didn't and see how it worked with different uh, demographics and different fan groups was really neat. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I, I, I don't know how much I can contribute to that just because mine was, like, the biddest of big Tons. roles. But it, it's good when you can kind of take uh, a bit of pressure off of certain people in that chain of command as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want your community manager doing every single little bit. Uh, and for me, it was easy. Like, I was literally doing things that I was doing on my own anyway. Like, yeah. it was like, can you can you record GIFs and, uh, and edit a thing on Photoshop? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be sitting at my desk recording GIFs and editing Photoshop. Anyways, anyway, so so I yeah, might as I well can, get a couple bucks for it. Exactly. Um, so so no, it was it, it was definitely uh, it was definitely neat, and it's a, a nice thing to have on the resume. But uh, but yeah, I I think in terms of uh, my public facing career, that's probably the biggest afterthought mm-hmm. of uh, of the bunch <laughs> of all the events you got. You know, you you um, you mentioned the world World Cup of Hockey. Did yeah, I say that? World Cup of Hockey. And the uh, outdoor game, the Winter Classic. Are there any other major games or moments that that like for me? It was that that 2012 run for the Marlies. 
Like before that, I had watched the. I was on the ice after the Owen Sound attack, won the OHL championship. That was pretty big for me. And then I kind of won up that when I saw the Marlies go to the finals. And 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 I kind of have those feelings that I'm always going to take with me, regardless of even you know with the Marlies whether they won or lost. Are there any games that stand out in your mind? Um, I'm trying to meet minds here with you, Jeff. I'm trying to like share moments. I mean, 2012 was an interesting one. I remember. Uh, I remember the game with the the stanchion goal. Jesus, and game just three. being in uh, be, being in the the media room with you, waiting for Dallas to come out, and uh, and just the the, the silence because no no one could really process what had just happened. Um, Actually, completely unrelated story, but cutting cutting two names, <laughs> cutting two names. My my favorite my my my, my favorite cross section of worlds yeah. uh, was finding out when uh, when Dello first got hired by Edmonton. One of the very first things that Dallas had said to him uh, was, "Do you know that I got Jeff to get a haircut?" Uh, because did he really? Well, he called me. He called me out during a scrum, and he's like, "When are you going to cut that rat hair?" And when you and when you say that, you're all the kid. I'm obviously going to come back with a proper haircut. Yeah, completely. Um, so that was the first thing he told Tyler. He's like, "Yeah, I got Jeffler to get cut his hair." Um, and Dally called you Jeffler. Yes, amazing. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's great. But yeah, that that run was was definitely an interesting one for me because it was the first thing I had done as credentialed media uh, mm-hmm. media and kind of being on the ice after Nor- Norfolk one was neat. Uh, obviously when they won in 2018, I think that was, uh, that one was even probably more personal for me. Cause at that point I had known all the people who had been around yeah. uh, over the years uh, from the players to the staff. Um, and I, I, I Willie th- Burns. Well, no, I, it was funny. Like he, he, him and I, like we, we chirped at each other a lot. At Will the Burns is the equipment manager. Yes. Yeah, so uh, probably the longest standing person, uh, um, in that in that part of the organization, yes, I think it's pretty much just him and Simon Bennett, yes. um, who who are like the off. true uh, OGs, and yeah. I guess me technically in the press box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone the other day, the Holy Trinity. Yeah, someone the other day was just like, "Do you are, are you watching these Marley's games?" Because I disagree with you on Timothy Lilligren, and I'm like, I'm the I, like that's my box. Yeah, uh, I, I they they should be charging me rent at this point. But I miss um, it. I really do. It's it, it, it's a great it's a great place to be, especially now that so much of it is the blogosphere and the yeah. younger generation. It's not uh, it's not just mainstream people dropping in once every few months. There there are a lot of people who are making it uh, their home, their beat, and I that's really cool. Will to you see. be credentialed again this year? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should talk about that after yeah. once we're done, because uh, I want to find a way to get. I miss writing. I really miss writing. Yeah, it's it, it, it's fun. I, I need to get myself into a more consistent thing this year. But uh, but yeah, 2018 was. You have was, seven jobs. I think you're fine with consistency <laughs> right now, Jeff. Um, 2018 was definitely uh, a special one. Again, the 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 World Cup of Hockey, being there for just from a pure hockey sense. When you when uh, Team North America was playing, you could just see something special was happening there. Um, that was like one of those where you know that you're in history as it's kind of happening. It sounds dumb to say there's so many. But but, no. but it goes to the to the previous point. Like you, you can't take any of those moments for for granted, and they all kind of feel special as they happen. You mentioned Dally, who for me is one of my favorite people, and and one of the most influential uh, in in my career. One of the most, like of that time, he was the most influential. What what what's your lasting thoughts on him? Like how did how did you guys end off, or how did he sit for you? Because I again, we were kind of on we we're in the same side, and the fact that we we're both attacked bring you know coming from the digital media kind of angle but we're on different sides because at the time I was team side and you were still you know independent 
Well, I was still like very much figuring out how the whole media uh, thing worked, but no. Have you he, figured it out yet? Because I haven't. No one, <laughs> no one's really figured it out. We all just, every time we do, it changes. Yeah, we're all we're all just faking it till we make it, uh, and and me especially because I don't really go uh, with the grain uh, in how I I cover things. But no, he was he was always fine with me. Um, I, he he always had a lot of really solid insight, mm. and uh, one of my favorite things was uh, sitting in the media room that day where. Um, I think TVK was still the uh, the media relations guy, and he came out with. He uh, hates that nickname. <laughs> Trevor Van Ottenberg now currently uh, Tampa with Tampa. How, yeah. I say currently, he's been there, there for like yeah. six years exactly. At least. Uh, and he comes in with like these sheets of paper and handing mm-hmm. them out to people, and it's like an ESPN article on why talk about questions are yeah. the worst thing in the world. I still have mine. I, I don't. I wish I did. I may have to ask you for a copy because <laughs> I've mentioned this story a few times, and I, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of talk about questions either, but just to kind of see that was. Was, uh, was really good. And I have to, and I, and I said this because I did a Reddit AMA the other day. All, all the, the coaches that have kind of come through have been good in their own way. Uh, Gordonine was always mm-hmm. super nice. Teeth Spot was always super nice. Um, Sheldon Keefe has been, been great to kind of work with, especially now that I'm doing more of that kind of analytical tracking. Yeah. And I can ask him more in-depth questions, and he gets really, uh, he gets really hyped up for those. He likes answering the, uh, the weird stuff instead of what are the keys to the game tonight. Yeah. Um, to be like, okay, well, that's you s- the worst question, though. Yeah, well, and I get why, and I get why those kind of questions happen because people are trying to fill up their their pieces. But I'm I, I'm a big believer that if you don't have uh, that if you that if you don't have something that's worth a quote, to just try to do something without a quote. Yeah. Uh, don't try to force a quote uh, into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas I'll go to Sheldon and be like, okay, well, you put you swapped out this uh, center for this center for yeah. right side face off at this point in the game. I'm just kind of curious why you went with that approach. Yeah. And he'll give you like four minutes. It'll of course, be like, because. He did it intentionally. Yeah, yeah. It, the, you know, there's complete intention behind everything that he'd done. Right. And and he doesn't expect, honestly, anyone to pick up on it. Yeah. Um. So so that kind of being my thing, where I'd ask him like one or two weird questions like that every game. He was always super great about it. He also bailed me out once when uh, it was uh, right when uh, Colin McBride took over. Uh, Colin's with the Leafs now, but he was just starting off the Marlies. And it was like the first scrum I was I was there and I was super, super exhausted. I had a three hours sleep the night before and was chugging coffee at the rink. And I went to ask a question and it was, I think, about Brendan Leipzig's zone exits or something like that. And it just I just blanked on it. I couldn't get words out of my mouth and I had to eventually pass on the question. And I was super, super nervous about that because mm-hmm. it's like first time in front of a media relations guy and you can't even get the words out. Yeah. Like he's going to he's gonna grill you for it. And then I found out that Sheldon basically pulled him aside and was just like, Jeff doesn't usually do that. He's good. He's reliable. Mm-hmm. Don't stress it. Yeah. Um, and, and I've always been super grateful of that. But uh, no, to, to the original question, Dallas was great. And it's uh, there there have always been some really good staff there in terms of how they accommodate us. The... Relationship between media and coaches is such a precarious one because I think everyone, everyone who's worth their salt, everyone who's been doing it long enough, sits there and knows that the coach knows more than you, right? I don't any no none of us sit there and be like, well, I'm gonna outwit the coach on this one. Sometimes, like some young whippersnapper will come in and try to do that. You're never gonna beat the coach at his own game, but it is your job on nights to to highlight the negative 
And that, you know, especially as a coach is around for years and years and years, I don't want to say that becomes more difficult, but it becomes almost more of a dance where it's like he's going to know what you're going to say and you're going to say it because you're both there to do a job. But you also both kind of understand you're not out there to sewer the other one. Yeah, I think the most important thing is that you come into it with honesty yeah, uh, and that you're not coming in uh, trying to get a gotcha. Uh, like you, you can have a genuine question or something that kind of comes off as a criticism. Uh, cause I know I have my, my fair share of those, like the example I gave with Sheldon, a lot of the times it's because I'm like, well, why would you do this? Uh, I genuinely was confused by it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think when, when it comes off as I want, I, I'm, I would genuinely like to, to know, learn. Yes. I, I'm here. I, I would like to, to learn something. Sometimes the answer is I, I'm up and yeah. and they'll give you that answer if they know that you're not trying to dunk on them. Right. Uh, I, I think that's the most important thing. Imagine is, dunking on a hockey coach. Yeah, it's what uh, hockey coach would you dunk on if you could? Uh, I, I I wouldn't. Randy. I I I don't think I I would Bruce like Boudreau. there 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 are, there are lots of Bruce, I dunk Bruce, on Bo- Bruce Bru- Boudreau. Bruce would get you right back though. <laughs> yeah. That's why. He would absolutely be the guy who gets you right back, um, and with with lots of expletives as well. Um, I I I think that even the guys I would disagree with the most, I would want to hear their their mindsets. Like I yeah. think that's that's how you learn about what their systems are about and what their approaches are is to is to pick their brains. Because um, yeah, there are lots of coaches who, uh, because of the way that I see the game, I don't really agree with their philosophies. Yep. But I would like to know where our disconnect is rather than being like, oh, you doofus. Yes. Yeah, you doofus. Your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> when I shifted my perspective, I went from, I remember, I remember the thinking that I once had that I was like, oh, I'm here to inform people. I, I once thought that, you know, my job was to inform people. And then it shifted. I think it's when I really, I kind of went down the documentary road where I was like, oh no, now my job is to ask a question and allow people to hear the answer with me. Does that make sense? And that, I think that speaks a lot to what you said about dealing with coaches is that I now have a question, whether it's about hockey, whether it's about, um, you know, life before sports, life after sports, whether it's about soccer, I have a question and now my job gets to be that I'm, I just have to make sure I bring people with me as we find out the answer. Yeah, I, that, that sort of makes sense. I think it really depends on uh, what your approach is and what your what your niche is. Uh, the way I probably say it is that's a nice way of saying I'm going to dunk on you, Clay. No, yeah, I, you're I, just like I, bam. Maybe if that's your approach. No, I, but I, but I think everyone does approach uh, the way that they that that they cover this kind of stuff differently. Yeah. I think the way that I kind of look at it is my evolution has been from I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to create the story. I'm going to 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 start with with what I think it is, and then slot everything in yeah. um, to to confirm my bias or my or my yep. opinion. Yep. To I've got a I've got a starting point. I've got a hypothesis. Um, let's gather as much information as we can, yep. and then see if I feel uh, still feel the same way. And sometimes if I'm not 100% sure, I'll say I'm not 100% sure. I mm-hmm. leave it up to you. Here's what I've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned is to not go into uh, something like that and to think that I've got the answer before I've started it.
this is something that I've chased. Like when I say chased, I mean I've ran away from my entire life, um, at least my entire adult career. Have you ever like does it those thoughts of imposter syndrome ever sink in? Hundred percent. D- okay. Daily, constantly. Day like now. Uh, even even now, it always always happens. Okay. Um, I'm glad we can relate in that sense. Because there's just this, like, I have these waves of feeling, and it's those moments when, when I, I'm forced, as you said, to present something, and you're like, well, I don't know the answer, and then I beat myself up for hours afterwards, like, well, I'm the one who's supposed to know the answers. Yeah, no, I, I think that if you if you think that you, you've made it and that you have all the answers, then you're you need to start looking for more things to, to discover and learn. I, I think that to not have imposter syndrome is probably the most dangerous thing you can do, uh, be it in journalism, be it in operations, mm-hmm. uh, in, in just anything. Uh, you need to constantly be looking for a ladder to climb. Right. You need to constantly be looking for new puzzles to crack. So, yeah, there, every every single day it's just like I, I, I don't know why um, I'm seen as – as successful, I still have stuff to to do. That yeah, that's constantly happening. Or if I don't have an answer, it's like you're like you said, I should have this answer. I should have the answer. But now, but because you know that that's something that you need to go chase, it gives you something to chase. Right. And then you can go on to to the next question to solve. Like, if there was no purpose to do anything else, then why why would we be doing this to begin with? We already have. Uh, everything at our disposal. Yeah. Um, this would all be too easy if right. if we, it was all accomplished before. Um, so so yeah, I think it's a good thing to uh, to to think that you still have more more left and that there's that that you're not uh, fully fitting. And I think the most important thing is to remember that pretty much everyone feels the same way. Right. Um, that we're all kind of. There's some people that seem to do it so smoothly. No, for for sure, and I think that comes with experience, and I think that comes with being in the same spot yeah. uh, for so long. And I think that's probably something that we can relate to as we've jumped around uh, so much. So it always feels like we're on uh, the ground floor, yeah. Um, whereas people do get that comfort uh, in their spots, but I'd say that uh, so long as they're still that that they're still striving for for something more and not and not thinking that they. Uh, necessarily deserve to be there, and mm-hmm. that they are entitled to to being there. That's a, you, you. That's the last thing you want. Entitlement is is not um, safe for anybody. Especially, I think in we, we, our whole conversation has you know centered around the social media and digital age and digital wave. I, I think it might be we almost are at the most honest point. Like we we have to be. We are kept the most accountable now yes. than maybe, let's say, two decades ago, where there's some massive of obscurity that happens. You know, what does a writer do in all the other hours that you're not reading his article? Right. That now uh, you can at any moment have half your followers yelling at you and half your follow- followers yell- uh, hugging you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Before. And you've never faced that, have you? 
No, I haven't. I, I especially not today after uh, after making a joke about the Tampa Bay Lightning and annoying an entire state. Um, today you got it. Yeah, I do. I, I do this. This is, happens like every year. You start seeing all the media people be like, "Oh, the Lightning are it's their cup to win. It's their cup to lose. No one's gonna stop them." So every year I put out a joke that's just like, <laughs> "There's nothing's gonna stop the 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, which there's still the favorites to the win media this. loves Steve Stamkos. Yeah. Um, you don't see the criticisms of him that you, like Ovechkin got in the same time or right. Jordan or whatever. Uh, but I think my point is not even to rip the the lightning. It's more so to be like, yeah, they're still the favorites, but there there is no unclimbable Everest in hockey. There isn't in any sports, but even still, like the lightning don't have the same kind of close to sure thing that say the Golden State Warriors would right. or Juventus and Syria, Man City and yeah. in the EPL, so on and so forth. They are, Oh whatever. Liverpool, man. Oh I I, I, I suppose. I, I, European I, champions. I, I, I support West Brom, so I have no stake in the race. Uh, <laughs> in like, whoever takes the title takes the title. That that's another story for another day of how I end up supporting them. Uh, but the but the point remains like hockey is so weird and random that the favorite yeah. team still has like a seven percent chance of winning. So that was kind of my point but whenever i say something about that about the lightning lightning fans get upset it's one of those kind of like we want to have some respect and i get it because they're a smaller market team is the amount of variable in a hockey i've always chalked it up to because the amount of players you know divided by the amount of ice time each of them get in in a sense that you have umpteen variables that happen during a game unlike steph curry who is guaranteed 36 to 40 minutes a night that's a very big part of it a hundred percent. That's a very big part of it. Uh, the other, the other part of it that's key is there's uh, there's less scoring to be distributed in basketball. You get fifty scoring plays a game. Completely. But then if I, if I bring sorry to interrupt you, if I bring in soccer into the equation, so we look at the three. You're like, well, there's even less scoring in soccer. I go, yeah, but you have guys, you know, eight of your eleven guys at least, yeah, playing the full are going to play the full ninety, yeah. right? And so the variation yeah. that happens from game to game to game, match yeah. to match to match, is so much less uh, anywhere else than hockey. For sure, no, and it's it's the same kind of approach. So I will say with soccer, it's for there, it's less of the. Uh, how many shots, how many goals are taken. Uh, that, that's a game that's so much of it is connected passing to kind of get there. Yeah. Um, so the plays that get you to a goal situation, if you're close to the goal, it's almost automatic. Uh, so it's so so for there, it's the frequency of the, of the plays that are advancing you. But yeah, it's yeah. a mixture of scoring opportunities and you, who's going to have your stars on on the court, on the on the ice, or whatever hockey, you have twenty guys constantly rotating, and you mm-hmm. have a game that you're only scoring uh, six or seven times in total between yeah. the two teams. So you're relying a lot on luck. You're relying on the goalies uh, doing well. You're relying on a post hitting just the right way. It's it is the biggest crapshoot sport. There is you're not there's no way to guarantee success. You can wait a coin toss, but even then you're going 60 40 yeah. instead of or instead of 52 48 or any or, or anything like yep. that. Um, so if it's not Tampa's cup to win, whose is it? I mean, Mr. I, hockey guy. They're still probably the favorites, yeah. but there is I, there. I don't think there's a hockey team where I can say, yeah, that team's winning for sure in, yeah. in August. Was there a t- has there been a team that you can think of in the last I don't know twenty years or so? No, not really. No, I mean the two thousand two Red Wings possibly yeah. the closest. Pittsburgh coming out of the loss against the Red Wings. I think what was that? Oh eight? No. 
No, and I because the, the Red Wings, the, that was one of the most analytically dominant teams of all time. The Red uh, Wings. That, that year, yeah. They have like 60% of the shot share. Like they totally deserve to win the 08 Cup. And they were, pro- I probably would have had them then as the favorites to, to repeat because they took the same team and then they took the third best player from, from their opponents in Marion Hossa. Right. Um, which but, was hilarious. Yeah, and then he loses, he and, then we're, and, and then we're like, ha, sucker, you're never going to win. And then he goes to Chicago, Chicago. and wins three. Yeah. yeah. I, love, then, I love Marian Hosa. He's, <laughs> but that was funny. Um, but, and he, he was, oh, correct, I'm going to be way wrong. Was he a thrasher? Yes. And do you have a Hosa thrasher jersey? Yes. You have the most impressive collection of uh, rare and, and random, and a Hosa thrasher jersey isn't random. Right, that's unfair because he was he was, he was a, a star yeah. on their team, but you have the most incredible collection of anyone in my circle, or I would say even within two degrees of my circle. What are you up to right now? Um, in terms of jerseys, probably like ninety hockey. Oh, I'm only missing four current NHL teams. Uh, shout out to uh, Evan Presiment. He's uh, at Sportsnet. I think he's a producer or something. What like up, that. Evan? Um, he's the one this who sold me. This episode's brought to you by Evan. He's the one who uh, he's the one who sold me the Hosa Thrasher <laughs> jersey. He found it at a he found it at a thrift store um, for like fifty bucks and sold it to me for a little bit more than that. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I really wanted to have that one. That actually kind of goes to the to the Tampa thing is yeah. one of my favorite things to do when a fan base gets on my case. Like, oh, you dumb Thrash, uh, Leafs fan. I'm like, I'm a diehard Atlanta Thrashers right. fan. So I have that. I have my... Pro- Are you actually a diehard Thrashers fan? I, I just kind of run I just kind of run with the joke. But at this yeah. point, it's like there were so many players I liked from that era. Like I was a huge Ilya Kovalchuk fan. Yeah. Uh, Danny Heatley was there until yep. they traded him for Hosa. Mark Savard was there. Like people forget that there were some cool electrifying players on that team. It was just that so much of the rest of the team was was pretty shallow for a bit and by the time that they had built up uh, a core and they got guys like Dustin Bufflin Andrew Ladd uh, they were they were on the verge of moving and yeah. now and now you can still kind of see the the thrasher factor in Winnipeg uh, they kept a lot of that core they have Buff, they have, they have uh, guys like Bufflin and little that are still there um, Shifley was a draft pick of the Jets, but it was because yeah. of the last Thrasher season. So yeah. they are a cool story when you kind of look back at them. But a lot of it is also just to be like my my sweet little uh, deflection whenever anyone says I'm biased. And then you can just show them that you're like, you're. is it, are you a Jersey fan? Are you a history fan? Are you, do you just like owning like a piece of something? That's uh, a little. Where does it come from? It's a combination of things. To be honest, the collection started. Um, I'm an artist. That's what I am. <laughs> the collection started when I was blogging because I think at the time, and this makes, this is one of those things that makes no sense. I had a, I did not have a bank account, but I had a PayPal account. Okay. Um, and I was like doing advertising on, on my sites where I'd sell links on my blog or whatever. I remember that. Yeah. And I would be, be able to get an easy like 50 bucks 40 bucks whatever and when but you couldn't like get cash. I couldn't, yeah i couldn't get cash and i like i also didn't really need cash because i was uh i was a high schooler like what was i gonna spend it on was i gonna get French more fries yeah That's more, 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 pizza, more pizza and fries at lunch yeah. um maybe maybe take a scenic day trip to yorkdale with my extra <laughs> bus fare um 
but you get what I'm saying. So like, so so mine was just like scoping cheap hockey jerseys on eBay yeah. and just having them constantly show up. And I think a bunch of them I even end up reselling because I've gone up and down of my my size. I've been yeah. everywhere on the size spectrum from a small to a four XL yeah. in the past uh, ten years. Operation get back to medium right now. Yeah. Um, but I'm operation get to large. Like I'm happiest if I'm just a large a straight L. Give me a straight L. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that, that, that wouldn't be too bad either. Yeah. I'm at the point now with it where it's just like, oh, I'm starting to feel adult back pain. Right. Uh, maybe I should maybe I should get back to to where I was a couple of years ago. Yeah. But but yeah, so it just started out of that. And then it was like, well, I like there's all these cool players in history that I that I like. I like having a piece of it. I like being able to once I started playing uh, on ice a little bit more, it was cool. I can wear this on the outdoor rinks or playing drop ins or back then it was ball hockey mm-hmm. uh, more so. And you be be able to pull pull out the sweater of whoever you wanted to be was uh, was a neat little thing. You have um, the prettiest angles of any bowl hockey player. The things that you would post and be able to post, I guess, on Instagram or wherever you're putting them up, YouTube maybe. Probably Facebook at the time. Probably Facebook at the time. Blew me away because you like step like I skate, which I think is a credit to your stepping and a criticism of my skating. <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. And yeah, I'm a terrible skater because I, I couldn't afford to play as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when you're a subcon- when you're like a self-conscious uh, larger uh, kid too, even if I could afford it, I probably would have been uh, a little nervous about doing so. Yeah, completely. Uh, so I didn't really get on skates till I was like 21, 22, and I didn't really do formal classes for it i just went out to the to the outdoors and kind of played mm-hmm. with with friends i only learned how to stop like two years ago really yeah uh yeah. and only and i only have one edge i i, I still need to work <laughs> on the still need to work on the other ones so outside, pe- outside left foot or outside right foot outside right outside right um okay. so so people see me on ice and they're like god this guy is like the worst beer leaguer i've ever seen mm-hmm. and then you'd go and drop the ball and it's like Okay, this guy deked out a yeah. literal NHLer, yeah. which I've done in, in in like celebrity games or whatever yeah. charity events. Um, I, I used to joke how I was like the Datsuka ball of ball <laughs> hockey, but like you put me on ice and I'm Bambi. Um, and, and a lot of that just comes from like being outside and goofing around and trying new tricks. Yeah. And because I was one of the first YouTube generation kind of kind of guys, I was seeing all the cool stuff people were posting, and I was learning a lot of the stick handling tricks that kids today can all do before yeah. they were before they were big things. Mm. Now everyone can kind of do the stuff. That, uh, easy on everyone. I, 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 as far as like the younger generation of kids playing hockey, like basically anyone who's on skates and taking classes and playing in house league, if any, anyone who's like 12 or above can do a lot of this stuff yeah. now. But back then it was like that, that, that way separated me apart. Like I'd have friends who played competitive ice hockey and they'd be like, how the hell do you do that? Mm-hmm. And it was just, I'm, I am i don't know. I'm in a, I'm in a drive. I'm sick, bro. I'm in, I'm, I'm in a driveway a couple hours a day trying to do what I saw some like, some random 13 year old kid at a hockey yeah. camp do uh, on YouTube. And you figure yeah. it out. Um, shout out to Kevin Roy. He was, do you remember a YouTube video that was like, uh, wicked good French Canadian kid? Yes. Do you know that kids, uh, in the Ducks organization now? Get out. Yeah. That's Kevin Roy. He, um, he, he's, he, he's made a career of himself. And then the kid who, um, who, who did like the Boston, like eight year olds, um, yep. skating, did all the crazy tricks. That's Oliver Wallstrom. He's, uh, he's, he was like a seventh overall pick of the Islanders a few years ago. So that's this you, podcast yeah. brought to you by YouTube. Yeah. Apparently. Clearly. clearly. But, but, but that, that just kind of shows you how it's all, how it's all grown as all these kids that were like quick little hockey internet memes then 
turned out to be really damn good hockey players in the future. Can we touch on self-confidence for a minute? Sure. Because you brought it up. Because it's something like we we, we talked about earlier, imposter syndrome, and that that is it goes hand in hand with your self-confidence level in a certain part or area of your life. How have you worked with these? I, I, I think and we can talk about this later, but I think we have struggled with similar um, feelings of uh, in self-confidence and, and, and where it you know, directly relates to our weight and our size and, and then how I feel in public and how I feel around people. What did, where did, did you channel that into your writing? Because this actually now really interests me because that's a hundred percent where I pushed all mine. I, I pushed it into a place where people didn't have to be around me, but I could still kind of exist. Yeah. I, I would say that that was especially the case, um, in my teenage years yeah. because I didn't really try to diagnose, uh, any of the stuff that uh, happened with me now nowadays, like a couple of years ago, I, I kind of came to the realization, hey, I should talk to my doctor about this. Right. Um, fa- found out that yeah, a lot of the stuff aligned with depression, anxiety. Um, started taking medication for that. Started doing things to improve on and yeah. doing things the traditional route. But then my outlet was being online and contributing to whatever part of the conversation I could. It was it was an escape from from what my life was at school, what my, yeah. what my life was in my brain. Uh, and it was, it was a really, uh, it, it was a really great outlet. Um, it is something that, that I, I lots of people battle through. Like yeah. let's, let, let's be real about it. It's, it's a normal thing to kind of have to have, have to battle. And it's not necessarily a great thing to have to, to like channel it all into, uh, one little corner of your life and kind of um, not addressing it. Because that's what you're doing. You're yeah. kind of not addressing it. Yeah, you're not addressing it. You're kind of deflecting. Yeah. Uh, but that's definitely what I did for a while. And then obviously in my late teens, I was like, okay, I need to I need to, to do something a little bit different with my life. Spent that year kind of slimming myself down, mm. kind of reapproaching how I, how I see the world, kind of getting more social. Um, and that was a huge, huge help. It basically gave me um, a new start on, on, on life, so to speak. Like I, I say to a lot of people that as far as being a mature person or someone who interacts with the world, like I basically started at like 19 or 20. Hmm. Um, like you got you meeting you like that's very it's almost pre where my head um, mm. is that today? Like that was where I was starting to get an idea of who I was, but I didn't really know who I was until until then. There's been been roadblocks along mm-hmm. the way. Completely. There's yeah. There's there, there there's been things that ha- that have happened in my life in the past few years that kind of threw me off the off the other uh, off track. Yep. Uh, but. But yeah, I, I think work is a great little distraction for that. I think even to to today, like I, I think what I'm doing now um, in the OJHL, mm-hmm. like the, kind of being at the rink all the time and being in an environment was is something that's that, that's helped too. Like work can be a positive outlet as long as it's not where you're throwing everything and not trying to address uh, the issues as well. For me, I've kind of, I've been in and out of forms of therapy since before I was 10, like since I was still, I was in single digit numbers. Mm -hmm. And so in a weird sense, I've always been aware 
of this like shadow that I yeah. have, but kind of to what you said, my willingness to deal with it fluctuates up yes. and down based on what's going on. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, cool. We can look at each other in the eyes and I'm going to like deal with you and talk to you and try to figure this out. Other times I'm like, I'm going to pretend you're not there. Even though I know you are there, mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend you aren't there. And it's amazing how a sense of community with, you mentioned being at the rink all the time and that's where my brain goes. And also, um, you know, lucky enough to be part of the Toronto FC organization for a handful of years, being around a community and, and in a weird way forced into that. Like I wasn't forced. It was, you know, I, I applied to be there. Yeah. But at the same time, in order to be paid, I had to, to be in yeah. it regularly that it was so healthy for me to be, you know, part of that community regularly yeah. because you always felt like you belonged somewhere. Yeah, 100%. And I know when I was going through a lot of rough stuff, like I had a... I had a span in 2016 where, like, I had falling outs at work. My dad passed away. I had some other personal things that went on. Uh, the best thing for me was the fact that there was still hockey to to be to be at. There were still games to to have to be in person in the press box for and see friends and people who are part of my my everyday life, and that I couldn't just kind of trap myself into. Uh, a room and not talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, having that community is huge, and I, that that even works for the for the digital community. Like, yeah, I have my on and offs with people on social media, but uh, the fact that there was always somewhere where I could have a conversation mm-hmm. uh, with someone, even if I was yelling at a wall, but the wall I was capable of talking back. Yeah, completely. Um, that that carried value. It, it, it carried it carried some meaning and wasn't always perfect, but. Uh, but it was an option that I that I had that I was grateful for and was a lot better than just kind of being alone with it. I respect um, how forthcoming you've always been, or at least I'm going to say have seemed to been to to me because I you know I don't I'm not going to pretend to know everything, but I remember when your dad passed and I remember you um, letting like what a, you 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 spoke about it right on on social media. And that, in a weird way, it allows people the opportunity to extend an olive branch and allows people the opportunity to relate because uh, I went through like a family tragedy a handful of years ago that for me, I essentially lost my father. He's been left uh, pretty much brain dead ever since. Mm-hmm. And so for again, y- your ability to, to put yourself in a position or be comfortable enough to extend yourself allowed for that bridge to build. And on this side of it, I really appreciated it. Well, I'm, I'm grateful you got something out of that. I think that's, that, that's really nice to hear. Uh, for, for me, like when I was younger, talk, venting out to the wall was very much just a me thing. It was mm-hmm. just a way to, to, to get my voice out. These days, it's, there, there's an awareness now that I have... Um, this following that I have people who listen to me and take inspiration, which bad choice, but I appreciate, um, I, I want to, I want to use that for, for some sort of good. And I know that there are a lot of things that we all struggle through, uh, in life. So for, for, for people to hear, um, a perspective of someone who's kind of battling through, uh, certain things, I think Mm -hmm. that, I, I think that's huge. I think that is, that's a responsibility, um, for that, that, that I should have, um, that there, that there is that kind of the guy that I know is going through this. Yeah. 
he's maybe not everything is perfect about it, but it means that I'm not the only one when yeah. it happens with me. I want I, I do want to be that person for people. And don't sell yourself short when when speaking about you being a source of inspiration and encouragement be, for a couple reasons. First of all, I've always been drawn to people who are self-starters and you are one of the largest self-starters in my life and you're a huge, for me, sense of encouragement in that way because, you know, sometimes you feel like you're in the trenches alone and you can look over and see someone else. You're like, well, even if we don't talk, I'm like, ah, I know I'm not alone. Other people are doing it. I can do it too. Secondly, um, Inspiration, I believe, comes from a place of truth and honesty, and you've been someone that especially in the years that I've known you have become more in line with that self-truth and that self-honesty, and I think that's a spot that all of us can uh, strive to get to and be better at because if we can be more in line and more honest with ourselves as to who we are, then that just extends to the people that we deal with and then creating more of a positive uh, atmosphere and ecosystem for the people around us. I think the biggest thing that I'd ever learned from uh, from my father above all else was to kind of be uh, as honest with yourself and as honest with the world as possible, whether it's, whether it's telling the truth about something that you did or just telling the truth to yourself in the mirror, it's always better to... Uh, to, to do that and try to have to carry a lie because then you're having to live multiple worlds at once. It's yeah. a lot more uh, stressful on you and it's a lot more stressful on everybody else. Um, that's probably, again, maybe the biggest thing I ever took away from them. And that's, and that's probably the nucleus of almost everything that I do is I want it to be honest and genuine. And even if it's not perfect, uh, at least I know that I'm not giving you uh, a fake image uh, of something, be it my work, be it the way the way that I see the world, be it how I go on with my day-to-day -day life. So yeah, that, to, to, to me, kind of being self-honest and honest in other ways, that's above all else. Can we pick this up another time and keep going can we do this again oh 100 percent. yeah are you down do, do you like the audio medium do you i've heard you in the last year or two i've heard you more on the radio you know calling in as as a guest on a radio show do you enjoy the audio medium i hated it for the longest time um that's like, not the answer i wanted i nope. <laughs> <laughs> i like it more face to face yeah um i like i'm one of those people who have like that quote-unquote phone anxiety yeah uh when i was working at the nation network and trump and thomas Drance was the uh the editor-in-chief at the time uh he lived in liberty village and you know i'm like the yorkdale area yep. when he would say i want to do a phone call i'd say cool i'm getting on the bus we're meeting up for lunch yeah i i, I would rather spend an hour getting to you to have a conversation an hour right. back than spend 10 minutes on the phone. I've gotten better with it in time. And I think doing uh, the radio hits has been a, a huge help. And that's why I keep trying to, to do it. I do like the, the audio platform. Mm -hmm. I've just building up that comfort over time. We should do this more. hundred percent. I like it. Yeah. Our conversation got to a place. We started talking about, you know, programming websites over 10 years ago. And we got to a place that I think is really in line with with the conversations I enjoy having. And, and I like to finish the episode, uh, every podcast, the exact same way and hoping you can help me with it because I believe that the biggest rocks and obstacles in our way are overcome by paying attention to the smallest things. In a weird way, actually, I've never said this before, but that's a Dallas thing. Dallas would say that uh, his mom would tell him to, to pay attention to the pennies and the dollars will look after themselves. So this, in a weird way, burns from something Dallas would say and got stuck in my mind. But I believe the biggest changes are all implemented in the smallest ways. And the smallest thing we can do to take care of ourselves 
is simply eat our vegetables. And so as I wrap everything up and I say thanks to you, Jeff, thanks to Dylan, who's uh, riding the sliders over there, and thanks to everyone who's involved in putting this podcast together, please, please, please be good to yourself. And eat your vegetables. And eat your vegetables. (laughs) 